0: Hello, and welcome to Reenergize. This is the place to discover more about emerging tech in offshore renewables and the way that we'll harness natural resources to meet our future energy needs. My name is Gavin Smart. I'm Head of Analysis and Insights at the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult, the UK's leading innovation and research centre for offshore renewables. I'm joined by some of the lead researchers on hydrogen and offshore wind integration at ORE Catapult. We'll discuss the hydrogen electrolysis process, how hydrogen and wind can be brought together, policy and regulation, and some of the economic and financial numbers we've been crunching. We'll also introduce two groundbreaking projects in this sphere. I'll let the team introduce themselves, starting with Angeliki.
1: Hello, I'm Angeliki Spirudi, and I'm Strategy Analyst in the Analysis Insights team. I focus on market research and cost modeling of offshore renewable technologies. And Stephanie?
2: Hi, I'm Stephanie Mann. I'm Innovation Manager at the Offshore Renewable Energy Catapult. Uh, I focus on sort of emerging technologies usually related to uh, offshore wind and floating wind. Um, and I was brought on to look at kind of the innovation landscape.
0: And Kasper?
3: Uh, Hello, I'm Kasper Stefaniak, I'm working as a strategy analyst. Um, I'm responsible for road mapping activities, supporting development of strategic initiatives that are necessary to meet the UK's net zero target.
4: And David? David Wallace, I'm senior strategy manager, uh, responsible for um, strategic initiatives, including the integration of uh, greater amounts of offshore wind into the energy system as a whole.
0: So let's start by pinning down some of the terminology we'll be using during this podcast. I'm going to ask each of you to explain one of the key concepts for us in less than 30 seconds. So, Steph, what are the different colours of hydrogen? and What do you mean?
2: Okay, so 30 seconds. Oh, dear. Basically, you have three different colors of hydrogen, and that's what is usually described in, in technical kind of journals and stuff. You'll have gray hydrogen, blue hydrogen, and green hydrogen. Now, gray hydrogen is generally what how hydrogen is created today, where you take usually some sort of natural gas, usually methane, and you reform it into CO2 and hydrogen. And the reason it's called gray hydrogen is that generally all of that CO2 is then released into the atmosphere. So it's very carbon intensive, blue hydrogen is that same process but with low carbon so they capture the carbon and use that um, either store it or use it in industry and then green hydrogen is ideally where we want to be where you create hydrogen from water so water is h2o so you get the h2 and the oxygen um, and you power that using renewable energy so it's ideally the lowest carbon form of producing hydrogen. But the blue hydrogen is probably the, the closest step we are to sell low carbon hydrogen.
3: Thanks, Steph. And Casper, what exactly is electrolysis? Electrolysis is, uh, well, it's a promising option for hydrogen production from renewable sources. Uh, it's the process of using electricity to split water into hydrogen and oxygen. Then, the hydrogen gas can be used as a fuel, and oxygen is a byproduct which, uh, depending on what's the source of electricity, can make this process emission free. This reaction takes place in, in a unit called electrolyzer, which can be located uh, onshore offshore, depending on the option
0: all right thanks casper and David, what do we mean by storage of hydrogen at the moment the
4: Main means of storing energy in the UK energy system in most countries is actually through gas, through natural gas in our pipelines and in enormous um, storage reserves, um, often underground in in salt caverns. Hydrogen can replace uh, natural gas as that storage in the future, and therefore it's a a means of balancing out uh, very large amounts of renewables production, of electricity production, from renewables. So it's that storage of the electricity, ultimately, from renewables uh, and the ability to do that over a longer term than batteries can do affordably.
0: That, that is the key to, to the storage aspect of hydrogen with offshore wind. And Angeliki, renewables are sometimes referred to as variable. So what do we mean by variability?
1: Uh, variability has to do with how dispatchable an energy source is. Uh, variable renewable energy sources are not continuously available due to external factors like uh, weather and are non-dispatchable, so they can adjust their power output and use that request to cover demand like wind and solar energy. Now
0: we understand uh, some of the key terms that we're going to be using, uh, let's set the scene a bit for what we're talking about with hydrogen and offshore renewables. So. First question I have for you is, um, what's the logic behind bringing hydrogen into our energy mix? I think uh, building on what I said about the the storage aspect, we want
4: to use more and more offshore wind in the UK because it's a a very large resource of affordable uh, zero carbon energy. Uh, As we use more and more of that, we need to find a way to balance that out in in the shorter term, but also very importantly as we, we have very large n- deployment of offshore wind to 40 gigawatt targets or, or even more, we will need to find a way of affordably balancing that ener- electricity production uh, over longer timescales such as weeks or months and even interseasonally that is from the winter months to the summer months. So it's, it's the ability of, of hydrogen to form uh, a complementary part of that whole energy system Uh, But it also, very importantly, is a a means of decarbonising our heating supply in the UK, which is a a very difficult challenge, Um, not least because at the moment uh, natural gas is a very low-cost form of energy. Uh, It's essential to keep us all warm and keep us all alive, and it's really uh, one of the key challenges for 2050 is that heating side of things. Uh, Offshore wind has enough potential to supply that energy uh, but it needs to be in a form where it can be stored and used when it's needed in winter.
2: I think it's really interesting what you said there about hydrogen quickly becoming one of these kind of vital parts of the future energy mix because actually from my background I kind of came into renewables um, purely from a kind of generation point of view so focusing on offshore wind for example Um, and I feel that from my point of view hydrogen has suddenly become the buzzword like in the past year or so Mm -hmm. suddenly loads of countries are talking about it and um, I think lots of governments globally are suddenly realizing that while renewable energy is now essentially subsidy free it's generating at prices on par with conventional power we're realising that the the storage element and the kind of balancing element between balancing uh, demand with production and balancing our heat with production as well, um, and with loads of countries already having the, the gas network in place, it makes more sense to bring in a clean fuel, a clean hydrogen, rather than relying on batteries, which are still quite an early development for um for large-scale storage they have lots of problems with using kind of quite a lot of natural resources they also degrade over time and don't have that long-term storage capacity that hydrogen does and um, so it's, it's suddenly becoming a buzzword but i think a lot of people are cluing into the fact that hydrogen is almost the key that unlocks a lot of a green you know low carbon future
4: yes i think that's right steph and uh... My impression has been that even going back maybe only four or five years ago, um, a a lot of decision makers and and people, particularly in the electricity industries, problems of matching that to more and more variable renewables, there hadn't really been any need to really work through the problems and see what that implied. And as that's been done more and more by different groups, uh, it's become clear, as you say, that that hydrogen as a complement to more and more Um, use of electricity which we do expect to happen that's a complement to that high
0: amount of renewables uh, will be a a really good mix. So things are moving pretty quickly and it sounds like there's a a lot a lot to be done. So what does the energy system look like that incorporates large volumes of hydrogen and offshore wind?
2: Well if we look at even our 2030 goals in the UK, the government's promising 40 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2030, and which to put that into perspective, currently we have 10 gigawatts of offshore wind. In the past 20 years, we've, we've built 10 gigawatts, which is about over 7,000 turbines. And so we need to quadruple that in the next decade. So that's a huge amount of, of offshore wind and mixed in with a lot of other types of renewables so looking at the energy system even in 2030 there's going to be a lot of reasons to to balance that so balance that with some hydrogen potentially producing that hydrogen offshore, but also potential for producing that onshore and, and integrating that into the existing kind of gas and storage networks. And um, there's also going to be a huge increase in electrification, like David mentioned earlier, with the rise of electric cars, electric vehicles and electric trains etc but for more heavy duty transport there's going to be a big rise in hydrogen vehicles as well and um, so there's going to be probably a, a, a good mix of renewable electricity and um, hydrogen within the network.
3: It seems like we're, um, we won't be able to electrify everything uh, so we still need the gas which ideally will be um, green hydrogen or um, a gas that's produced from, from renewable uh, energy sources. This gas could be used then in the local transport or in industries where they could either use biomass or another type of gas, but it would be impossible to electrify them. Yes,
4: one of the things that we've seen in um, whole energy system models by uh, groups like the Energy Systems Catapult, committing Climate Change reports, uh, Imperial College London, who, who we've been working with to explore, explore some of these uh, scenarios, is that production of um, electricity just for very brief periods at times of maximum system stress, when there is very low solar output and very low um, uh, wind output uh, in a future energy system, that uh, at those points the generation of electricity from that stored hydrogen that you've already produced from renewable energy uh, uh, in the past, that that is actually the optimal uh, way of configuring the system. And of course different scenarios, different uh, modelers have a different view on exactly how much that will be, but it seems to be fairly consistent. That will be a valuable option and, and that, that will be happening in the future, that peaking
0: back up um, from hydrogen for the for the grid. Okay, so compared to where we are today, those are some big changes right there. Does this mean significant investment in new infrastructure?
1: Uh, yes, in the UK, we made like significant progress in the carbonizing power generation. Uh, We've had like, improvements in efficiency, which feeds from coal to natural gas, and we're increasing rapidly the renewable electricity share like uh, in offshore wind. Green hydrogen can be used as an energy storage solution, as, as we said. We can um, fuel large-scale fuel cells to, to produce electricity. But the high in penetration of renewable energy in the system requires further investment uh, in grid infrastructure. One other option is to use off-grid systems, especially in regions that we have uh, high load factors and isolated locations like islands, uh, where grid assets don't exist or are insufficient. In contrast, we have like progress uh, in decarbonizing heat has been limited so far Uh, the demand is quite volatile especially during the winter. The main solution options to consider uh, as the Committee of Climate Change uh, suggests are either to use existing gas grids and adjust this to be able to run in low-carbon green hydrogen, electrification from renewable uh, electricity or hybrid systems using a combination of heat pumps and hydrogen boilers as a backup for peak times. In the UK, we use widely natural gas for heating, so electrification needs huge investments in infrastructure and electric boilers. But with hydrogen, we can leverage the existing gas network and exploit the existing pipeline assets in full. Up to 20% of uh, green hydrogen can be blended with natural gas uh, without upgrading the equipment. Also, the gas pipe network can provide uh, a line pack uh, hydrogen storage and balance uh, short-term uh, demand uh, needs. If we need like full conversion, it would be more difficult than blending because hydrogen has a uh, low volumetric density and this poses challenges to the existing uh, infrastructure. This would require transport, storage and conversion upgrades across the network and investments uh, in meters, compressors, hydrogen, uh, boilers. The third option of an hybrid system seems currently to be the most cost-effective option for the transition. It requires minimal infrastructure investments by combining heat pumps with hydrogen boilers. Another sector of transport, here hydrogen can be used to decarbonize large vehicles applications for heavy goods, vehicles, trains and public transport where battery capacity and recharging times uh, make batteries less feasible. This will require the construction of a network of fueling stations to help us make uh, this transition to fuel uh, cell vehicles and decarbonize the land transport uh, sector in full.
4: One of the things that we uh, might see in the medium term is construction of offshore uh, hydrogen infrastructure um, and particularly pipelines that uh, link up hubs constructed offshore on platform farms or even artificial islands in the southern North Sea. The um, energy produced from multiple wind farms can be uh, collected uh, and hydrogen generated at those hubs. And the hydrogen pipelines used to take uh, the hydrogen to the UK Uh, But the most advanced planning on this is uh, uh, among northern European countries, Germany and Denmark. Some of their major utilities uh, see this as potentially a more cost effective way um, of getting that very abundant low cost offshore wind energy to their markets. Uh, and, And so what they expect will be some kind of optimal combination of grid connection, through electricity cables, as we have at the moment for offshore wind farms, but supplemented uh, by uh, hydrogen pipelines uh, uh, coming through southern North Sea, but ultimately also potentially connecting up to northern North Sea and, and other areas of UK waters where there's really uh, very much larger offshore wind resource.
2: Yeah, I just want to um, kind of piggyback off of that and say that, you know, with a lot of these new technologies, people always want to talk about the bottom line, whether it's going to be very expensive, very expensive to the taxpayer, and whether it's going to be worth it in the long run. Um, and I think the reason hydrogen in particular seems so appealing is that, like Angeliki said, up to about 20%, uh, you can you, in, in the existing na- gas network, you can get up to about 20% um, penetration of hydrogen into existing network without really any major infrastructure changes so you're talking one you can reduce the the carbon intensity of our natural gas network by by nearly a fifth purely without really spending a lot on all the infrastructure storage transport etc and and that gives hydrogen production a really good chance at getting the supply chain ready, getting the electrolysis and the technology, the costs kind of driven down through kind of learning, through doing, through scaling up and all that sort of stuff. And then once you can then be producing hydrogen at scale, that there's um, income coming in there into the network that can then be used to make the infrastructure kind of upgrades that are going to be needed anyway, because our gas network is... You know, over 50 years old in a lot of places and, and it, it needs upgrading anyway and so why not upgrade it into a, into a system that can facilitate um, a green future.
0: What I'm taking from this discussion so far is that there's, there's clearly a lot of system value from introducing hydrogen into the energy mix and enormous possibilities for cross-sector and international collaboration. So why are we only talking about this now?
1: I think there are, th- I will stick with these three, three reasons. Uh, the first reason is that we have a, a shift to decarbonizing policies after Paris Agreement and the recent UK's commitment for net zero emissions by 2050. This increases the interest for stronger renewable energy presence in the energy mix. And as we said earlier, sources like uh, wind and solar um, are not dispatchable. So they need... Um, for storage is becoming a necessity. The second reason is that uh, the currently high production cost compared to fossil fuels. The levelized cost of green hydrogen should become cost competitive uh, with hydrogen types, but also with uh, fossil fuel with carbon capture uh, in general. So this makes it pressing, makes more pressing the need uh, for cost reduction. This will be driven primarily from the rapid reduction of renewable energy costs, uh, the scaling uh, of electrolyzer capacity, and improvements in efficiency, uh, which are expected to, have, to happen by the end of the decade. Another reason is that the fossil fuel prices are very volatile uh, to market ups and downs. So this causes instabilities and energy security issues. So uh, green hydrogen is gaining ground, as the best option to limit um, our fuel imports and get more energy independence.
2: Yeah, Angelique is right. And also hydrogen, certainly kind of hydrogen from electrolysis has been looked at in the past. It's been a technology that's been in existence since um, before the 80s. And the problem with it in the past is that for it to be beneficial, um, you need renewable energy source to begin with otherwise you're just using fossil fuels to produce hydrogen in a less efficient way than steam methane reforming and you also need the costs to be to be competitive and so there the reason it's having a resurgence now is because of the cascading costs of renewable energy are now kind of enabling the the green hydrogen to be made the other reason is we The blue hydrogen has only been recently looked at because of the costs of carbon capture also falling. So in the past, really the only viable way to produce hydrogen has been through this grey hydrogen. And at the moment, something like 97% of hydrogen production globally is in this grey, kind of very carbon intense way. But it's only through kind of recent Technology advances and falling prices in renewables has blue or even green hydrogen been worth considering more more seriously?
4: One of the things we've we've shown in our report is that the costs of green hydrogen will fall, and there's a very strong case for believing that that will happen uh, based on uh, the things that we've seen happening already in, in offshore wind. So by Um, supporting uh, the innovation journey for the electrolyzers and for associated equipment uh, by supporting um, early markets to scale up production of um, electrolyzers. We're showing that this uh, rapid cost reduction will happen in the same way that it it
0: happened uh, for offshore wind. Well, outlined in some detail, hydrogen generation and storage is a really important opportunity for the energy system in general and for offshore renewables in particular. So there's a really big picture UK wide challenge to be met here. Are we doing anything to examine the challenges and possibilities at a more local level?
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you've asked that. There's one project that I think is particularly interesting, uh, which is Built for Haven Energy Kingdom. It has started a few months ago. It will, it will provide a blueprint for, for a local hydrogen-based energy system. It will integrate heat, power and the transport. As it has just started, um, it, will, it will build hydrogen-ready technologies such as fuel cell cars, hybrid heat pumps, uh, hydrogen-ready boilers for heating. And that will all happen in the Milford Haven uh, waterway and the local area. Which means that local people will be able to, to test real-world hydrogen vehicles and uh, clean energy home heating equipment. Our role in, in the project is to manage the delivery um, and also I'll provide the engineering design of the electrolyzers and the modelling of the cost advantages of adding hydrogen into the energy system. And why is this project so important? Well, I think it's particularly important because of the area. Uh, It's an ideal location to trial uh, this this new approach. Uh, It's located at the center of nationally important energy infrastructure, where there's quite a lot of major energy related investment related to decarbonization. It's also about uh, helping to safeguard the local uh, energy and automotive sector jobs and trying to maintain the momentum in the the transition from from natural gas to to hydrogen, not only uh, by creating models and and developing benefits by writing reports, but also checking the the real-life equipment.
4: We expect the Milford Haven Energy Kingdom project to to show in detail that there is a case in the near term in the next few years for the private sector to invest in uh, local energy systems uh, and, and solutions that uh, in, include hydrogen, include green hydrogen from renewables. Whether that's uh, the future offshore wind farms that we expect to uh, be developed around the coast there, or just from the
0: uh, local solar resources that, that they have already. So. Understanding the local or regional um, energy resource, the supply and demand profiles, is an important aspect. I've also heard about the Methyltune project. Who wants to give me the lowdown on this one? Yes, the Methyltune project
4: is uh, part of a key step in uh, the hydrogen strategy uh, for the UK. One of the main things that hydrogen can do is provide that... Um, Uh, decarbonisation route for uh, residential heating, commercial heating, uh, which is otherwise very difficult to achieve. Uh, But 100% hydrogen uh, heating in people's homes is really quite a big step and so there have been a series of projects to prove what has to be done uh, in terms of safety, in terms of the ability of UK boiler manufacturers to produce uh, boilers for homes that are ready for 100% hydrogen, which has now been completed. Uh, there have been projects to look at um, the safety of using the existing gas pipeline network at the, at the local level, and, and that has essentially come to an end. And the next big step is to actually use 100% hydrogen in a substantial number of, of homes, which is what the Methleton is uh, project is leading up to. And that will be green hydrogen because uh, we will use the electricity produced by our research and demonstration turbine um, at Methylton on the Five coast to produce that energy that will then be the source for the hydrogen. And the hydrogen will be piped a very short distance to um, local homes, 300 initially, but potentially up to 1,000. That would be the largest demonstration of 100% hydrogen use uh, in the world. And that's a key step just for giving confidence to the market, to utilities who are traditionally very conservative. They have to be, they have have safety in mind. Uh, and to enable uh, the, the governments, the UK government and involved administrations, to take the steps in terms of regulation in terms of perhaps restructuring uh, who does what in the energy market uh, to take those steps are going to be required to roll out uh, hydrogen uh, uh, for heating uh,
0: in, in the coming decades the concept of hydrogen as part of local energy communities and um, someone able to explain this concept for us a little bit the advantage of uh using hydrogen in a local energy community
4: is uh, it's a it's a good way of of getting the market started and seeing how that integrated energy system of the future where you have a balance between your renewable energy production uh, locally and your um, uh, gas use and uh, the electricity use the electricity network to see how that all has to come together and the kind of uh, Controls and market mechanisms and uh, protections for consumers that have to be in place, so one of the things that we, we expect to happen that we think is um, a good pathway for for doing this is to begin those demonstrations around uh, industrial clusters uh, where that's possible, where there's a, a good match um, of your local community and demographics with a big industrial cluster, because you already have a lot of um, hydrogen generation at a big industrial cluster. And so you have infrastructure that you can piggyback on to to um, get something going quicker and prove the case that hydrogen just does fit in uh, locally at the distribution level with uh, electricity and providing this, this matching and balancing uh, for your um, local renewable energy sources. Uh, And then once those models are proved in multiple locations, uh, that can be rolled out through the the necessary uh, changes to market structure and regulation and uh, incentives that that will be required.
2: Yeah, I think for any new technology to be proven or demonstrated, it needs to be done at scale. And the thing about hydrogen is that um, it needs to be done at a community scale. Well, first of all, it needs to be done at a single production scale that we can prove that we can actually generate at you know such and such a cost that we've kind of expected it to produce that and then for it to to prove the the integration with renewable energy that needs to be done at a local level and um, I think methyl in particular is is really important because if you think about the history of methyl you know it used to be uh, the coal kind of center of Scotland for a while you know they had a huge port where they would import and export a lot of kind of fossil fuels and and actually in the past sort of 30, 40 years, the, the community around there is has really suffered a lot from lack of coal production, a loss of kind of jobs and community and stuff around there. And so I think being able to demonstrate that hydrogen production um, can facilitate jobs, it can facilitate clean growth that can facilitate safe use in homes. Um, I think it's it's really important for that own community, but also for the demonstration of hydrogen on a wider scale.
0: So some of some of our discussion has has taken us into talking about local demographics and uh, community and wider economic benefits. Do you have a, a sense of of what the public perception is at the moment of hydrogen? And um, you know what are the, the levels of awareness?
2: I could start because um, I just had a conversation with my dad about this, who is a very you know, well-educated engineer, works in, in civil engineering and water and everything. And he was very surprised that a renewable energy company is even bothering looking into hydrogen. Um, and I think his perception of hydrogen is, you know, you associate hydrogen with uh, zeppelins from, you know, the 20s that that burned and catastrophic explosions and stuff and that is extremely dangerous and why should we be looking at hydrogen and I think that's a perception that needs to be addressed because you know the the perception about hydrogen is that it's much more dangerous than natural gas and and the the sort of demonstration that um hydrogen is clean that with the right you know boilers and with the right infrastructure, um, it can be very, very safe as well. Um, it is, it's really important to make sure that the public are on board with, with hydrogen production and hydrogen in our, our homes and in our boilers and coming out of our cookers and, and all that sort of stuff. I think it's really important to get the public on board from as soon as possible.
3: I think that luckily from most demonstration projects that are happening right now, there is there's always a a work package on, on social impact where uh, the project would be investigating what's the what's the public perception and how it could be changed how um, how the devices could be uh, could be readjusted so that so that it's higher and everyone feels safe about um, this new future.
1: I think the main problem when you um introduce a new technology uh, is to try to find and explain to the public what can be the direct benefit. So any major switchover can be justified. Um, I guess that as the technology uh, improves and we are find better ways for storage and, and as Stephanie said, we are able to Uh, stored safely without any leakages, which uh, hydrogen is prone. I think the perception will will improve. And also, as I said earlier about the heating, which is a major issue, uh, a step-by-step change by, for example, introducing hybrid system, make a combination of heat pumps with hydrogen boilers, will make it easier to make this transition instead of... um, from one um, day to another switch to hydrogen boilers.
0: So I guess related to public perception, but also touching on um, you know, some of the elements of analysis in the work that's been done so far. Will hydrogen in the system increase my energy bills? The combination of hydrogen
4: in this hybrid model that uh, for heating can use uh, hybrid heat pumps, which use electricity most of the time, Uh, And that's a good fit with more and more electrification uh, via more and more renewables uh, as our main means of decarbonizing. Uh, So they use that electricity for most of our heating. But then when they really have to, when there's um, a low point in our um, wind production nationally and our solar production uh, during the the darkest times of winter and the coldest times of winter, they have a, a, a small hydrogen boiler. And that supplies that peak uh, heat that is required. Uh, And so when you look at the total energy use across the year, as we're seeing uh, the the cost of renewable electricity come down and down, when when that electricity is then used in this very, very efficient heat pump uh, system for heating a home, which is very commonly used in, in other countries. It's not so common here, but there are probably a hundred million heat pumps in, in, in America. Uh, when you use it in that combination with a very efficient heat pump using electricity and then only using relatively small amounts of, of the hydrogen gas, uh, that hydrogen gas can be quite a bit more expensive than natural gases at the moment. But overall, uh, heating bills um, are, are not really um, likely to, to in, in increase enormously, uh, if at all, when we see the full reduction in, in renewables supplying that electricity, and then that cheap renewables providing relatively low-cost hydrogen, um, even if that hydrogen is a bit more expensive than natural gas it's replacing, the overall mix uh, need not be um, uh, more expensive than, than what we have for natural
0: gas at the moment, or not substantially. So I'd like to wrap up here by inviting some final thoughts from from anyone on what the offshore wind industry researchers and policymakers need to do next to make all this happen.
2: Well, I think there's, um, you know, looking at particularly the research that needs to be done, I think there's still um, a lot of innovation that can happen, particularly for hydrogen. I think there's a lot of technological challenges there's also a lot of legitimate concerns around cost reduction and safety like we mentioned as well but that needs to be spearheaded essentially by policy making sure that the there's right funding for the right type of research to happen and then i think in terms of the the wind industry in in the wider sense and um, i think you know wind farm developers have a real opportunity here to potentially have integrated systems where they can integrate offshore wind with hydrogen in a way that set needs that they can sell their energy at a better price saying we can provide this essentially dispatchable energy which is energy that responds to the demand um, where it is needed. So if offshore wind developers who are creating this opportunity can really get on board as well, I think there's going to be more money, more um, more reason and just more clout that the hydrogen industry can have behind it. Um, and it would accelerate it forward in a way that would benefit local communities, it would benefit the environment by it being low carbon, benefit Job growth, UK content, all the good things.
3: Just to build on that, um, I believe that hydrogen is a fantastic technology, uh, but there are still many technological and um, innovation challenges to solve. So, definitely, during the next couple of years, we'll need um, we'll need significant demonstration program and uh, R&D programs to to solve these and to make sure that. UK is um, is at the centre of uh, this new big market.
0: Anything more on specific
4: next steps? As well as the roadmap for innovation, uh, including the R and D, where uh, we have very strong capabilities already in our, our universities uh, that we can build on, uh, and uh, as well as the technology scale up journey that. Uh, will happen through uh, demonstrations uh, in, in real communities and in real applications. There are things that the governments will need to do, uh, not just in the UK, but uh, internationally. There will need to be international cooperation on sharing the, the, the task of, of developing uh, a hazard economy uh, uh, globally, and particularly um, in, in Europe, um, where there's a, a very strong uh, need for decarbonisation of, of, of heat that doesn't exist everywhere uh, in the world. Uh, and there are uh, um, a range of measures that um, are on the roadmap for uh, UK government to take uh, to, to support the introduction of hydrogen and the scale-up of, of hydrogen and to support uh, the continuation of of a manufacturing sector in the UK and even potentially potential increase of manufacturing sector in the UK uh, based on this uh, abundant um, resource that we have in the UK offshore wind producing um, uh, locally
0: a secure decarbonised energy source for energy intensive industry. Angeliki, David, Casper, and Steph thank you for taking part in today's episode time to de-energise now until next time. In the meantime, listeners can find more news on renewable energy on our website at ore.catapult.org.uk. And please don't forget to follow us on social media at orecatapult.